This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we bring you an E-Series overview to help you harness the power of the NetApp Drag Racer. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. On the phone with me today, Mr. Glenn Sizemore. I'm back. Glenn's back. How you doing, Glenn? Back. I'm doing great, man. Where have you been? I, I, uh, I went to VMworld. I, right. I had to go talk to lots and lots and lots of our customers. How'd that go? It was fantastic, man. We, uh, we unveiled NetApp HCI in a very, very big room and got lots of great feedback. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. I, I saw the pictures. You looked happy. Um, that's good to see because I was I was a little worried about you, in outside of your comfort area. Ah, oh, no, man, conferences are my comfort area. That, oh, that's, there you that's go. Home. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Uh, in the studio with us today is uh, Eduardo Rivera. Hi, Ed- Eduardo. Hi. <laughs> did did I get it right the first time this time? You, you did actually. Holy I'm, cow! I'm surprised. I'm impressed. Uh, he's, he's surprised and impressed. Yeah. But yep, I'm back. It's been a while. Yeah. So, uh, Eduardo, tell uh, tell the listeners if they're not familiar with you what you do here at NetUp. Uh, so. I, I work within our NetApp IT for, uh, team, and I'm the storage architect within NetApp IT. So, like any other customer has big uh, enterprise and you know storage networking type teams, I'm, I'm the storage team for the storage company. There you go. Store is storage inception. Yep. There we go. So yeah. So the funny joke is that every time I have Eduardo on the show, I always butcher his name, and then uh, <laughs> I even do it on email. Even when it's like sitting right in front of me, I'll like call him different last names. So I finally <laughs> mastered that. Uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, on the phone, also with us today, because the topic of today's show is E series, we have a I guess it's a gaggle is what you'd call them of E series uh, experts. So uh, we'll start off with the core TME, Todd Edwards. Hi, Todd. How are you guys doing? Good. And yourself? Doing well, doing well. Excited to uh, to be joining you on our, our first podcast here. So, Todd, uh, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what you do at NetApp as the core TME for E-Series. Sure, sure. So, uh, I've been on the E-Series team for almost five years now, and I take care of our core product collateral, uh, the, the basics of uh, how you set up the product, how you use the product, uh, what's coming new with the product, um, I work with a lot of customers, explaining all of those very basic things, how to set up host interfaces and, and kind of what our best practices around that, that core product functionality is. So, so that's my area of expertise. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Todd. All right. Also on the phone with us today is Jamal Booty. Uh, did I say that right, Jamal? That is correct. How are you guys from uh, sunny California here? Um, yeah, I'm one of the uh, global CSCs uh, on the E-Series, but now kind of moved towards vertical. So I basically pursue everything that sounds fun with uh, what we call now um, the streamlined swim lanes and uh, vertical solutions. So big data, analytics, uh, data protection, all of the above, basically. And I um, kind of work hand-in-hand with the TMEs, basically running on the front end with the sales teams. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Jamal. And uh, also on the phone with us is Mitch Blackburn, and Mitch covers some more solutions. Uh, Mitch, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do here at NetApp as well. Hey, thanks, uh, Justin. Good to be here today. And uh, as you said, I'm working with solutions. So my main focus right now is Splunk and big data generally, and part of the the E-Series team and, and the other, there are several swim lanes for us, and maybe we can come back to that later. 
All right. Thanks a lot, Mitch. So you mentioned uh, Splunk, and there's been a few other uh, tech name droppings going on, uh, big data and that sort of thing. So to start off, we're going to basically do a high-level overview of what E-Series is to familiarize yourselves with what it does and what it can't do and that sort of thing. And to do that, Todd Edwards is going to take care of that. So, Todd, uh, if you could give us the 1,000-foot view of E-Series and you know what are some of the use cases as well as uh, what things that it's not intended for. Sure, thanks. So E-Series is uh, simple SAN storage. It's block storage only. We don't have uh, NFS-type interfaces at all. We um, also do not have a file system. We actually run under multiple different file systems out there in the industry, everything from um, host-based file systems to things like Quantum Storenext file system, uh, Hadoop, Luster, uh, GTFS, uh, anything basically that manages the storage, where that uh, simple block storage uh, below that. But we also have some pretty elegant uh, data protection type uh, functionality within the product. One of those is dynamic disk pools that allows us to pull together a bunch of drives and and dole out volumes out of that one central pool of storage. So that's a, a simplification. It also gives faster drive rebuilds and some, some other niceties. Uh, the product also has some other uh, kind of uh, what we might call entry-level uh, feature set around synchronous mirroring, asynchronous mirroring, uh, snapshot functionality, um, volume copy functionality. Uh, these are not, though, to be synonymous with on-tap snapshot. It's a it's a different thing um, on the E-series side, and and so uh, again, because on-tap is a file system, it has a lot of capabilities and, and uh, built in that E-series does not uh, offer. We actually will set below uh, on-tap as our file system. So uh, that's that's kind of the basics. Of E-Series, we have multiple host interface types: FC, iSCSI, uh, ID, and SAS, um, and we support those in multiple different speeds. Uh, on the FC side, it's four, eight, and sixteen uh, gigabit today. iSCSI is one gigabit and ten gigabit. Um, SAS is twelve gigabit, and InfiniBand is. 40 gigabit and 56 gigabit. So it's got a very flexible front end for interfacing to a, a lot of different uh, SAN host environments that will serve to, to manage the storage. You'll find the storage in uh, backup type environments, but you'll also find the storage in cloud service providers where the cloud service providers are using it as block storage that they're selling out or doling out on demand to their customers. So it's a super flexible, uh, basic SAN type platform. Okay. So you mentioned that uh, snapshots in E-Series are not the same as ONTAP snapshots. Could you give us a little detail about how they're different? Yeah. So so ONTAP snapshots are um, basically a pointer to the metadata or the the actual data. On um, E-Series, it's actually a, a copy on uh, a full copy uh, snap that, that we do. Um, and then beyond that, um, 
your your next snap again is a, is a full copy. So uh, snapshot is is definitely not the same on E series as it is on 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 tap. Okay, and you mentioned there's no file system on an E series, um, and you know, that's that's interesting because it kind of gives you a lot of flexibility. So what makes an E series different from something like a JBOD? Uh, the extra capabilities built in it for the the data protection um, for the RAID levels. We have RAID 1, well, RAID 0, which is not actually RAID, but RAID 1, RAID 10, RAID 5, RAID 6, and dynamic disk pools. So we have a variety of of methods for uh, basic data, uh, protecting your data and making sure your data is available based on what your requirement is. That's not something that you find um, in the JBOD space. So one thing I often hear an E-Series compare it to is a drag racer. Um, if you could go a little bit more into detail about why we'd call it a drag racer instead of something like a minivan. Yeah, so from a performance perspective, um, the the code on the E-Series is, is optimized to, to not have a lot of overhead paths. And so that allows us to deliver a lower latency I.O. Uh, than a lot of our, our other platforms at NetApp that provide a, a much richer feature set. So because this is a, a bit more of a stripped-down feature set, it allows us to really accentuate the performance side of the product. And how fast are we talking? Do we have any metrics that we can deliver in terms of performance for IOPS or latency? Like, what what are the types of numbers we're seeing for an E-Series? Sure. We have... Um, two different levels of platforms. One is our 2000 series entry level. The other is our 5000 series uh, mid-range product. In the 5000 series uh, mid-range product, we offer two two flavors of it. One is a hybrid uh, configuration that can have both HDDs and SSDs. And one is a configuration we call EF560. That's the current shipping version. And that one is an all flash array. Uh, from a performance perspective, about 850,000 IOPS at one uh, millisecond latency for 4K random read IOPS. About 12 gigabytes per second throughput. That does not sound slow, so that's pretty fast. So um, that kind of speed, and then when you factor in the lack of a file system, you can start thinking about what you can put on top of it, You know, HDFS, for example, what are some of the, the primary use cases that we're seeing out there? And then we'll, we'll talk to Jamal a little bit more about them in depth, but you know, could you give us a, kind of a high level of what people are using these things for? Sure. So certainly the backup space um, is very attractive because we have large capacity near-line fast drives. That's their slowest media on E-Series. It's a 7200 RPM uh, HDD type platform. It's good for backup archive. It's also good for video applications, um, video surveillance, video streaming type applications. Uh, we also offer a 10K SAS um, type drive. That's a, a faster drive, kind of mid-range performance. A lot of databases run on that, whether it be Oracle or, or whatever uh, database, even Splunk. And so, so we offer that, and then we offer the SSD uh, for the top end performance, and and again, that's in the the two thousand and the five thousand platforms. 
What, uh, what size SSDs are you up to in terms of uh, capacity? We offer an 800, a 1.6, and a 3.2 in addition to the 15.3. Just to, to uh, back up what we've been talking about so far, I know for me personally, the 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 reason I use the, the dragster metaphor with customers is, I don't know, I, I feel it helps explain the decisions because it's one of those things where, you know, as as Todd was explaining the snapshots, I'm sure there was somebody listening going, oh, I'm sure they're working on that. No, no, we're not. It's it's working perfectly. It does exactly what we needed to do. It fills this niche where advanced data services aren't aren't what we're asking the platform to do. What we're asking it to do is to as quickly as possible go protect some data and then as quickly as possible let me go get that data back and and that is the priority with the platform and you know everything kind of goes from there and because we are that simple block storage underneath we can leverage snapshot capability from any number of different file systems or suppliers yeah th- there was there was a point in time where uh, I, I think we called it v on e back in the day the fastest box we could build was an ef540 in front of a v series uh, on tap flash so and yeah, the, the, those those architectures have been around forever, and and E series will always be the thing that we pull on when we just we got to make it go as fast as it needs to go, right? Yeah, it just so happens I'm also the primary TME for the FlexArray and E series configuration, so I've done all the architecture and performance work on that, and it is still um, an excellent platform uh, to utilize on tap to to drive the rich premium features and to use E-series, the EF-series in particular in the back end to drive some tremendous performance at really huge, huge capacities. Todd, did you have anything else uh, before we move on to Jamal? From a from a management perspective, we didn't really talk very much about that. Yeah, simple desktop, uh, desktop management app. It's called Centricity. Uh, really easy to use. Uh, doesn't take maybe 30, 40 minutes to, to figure out how to set your storage up and, and go. It's not something you're going to spend your day doing. So uh, our management app is, is very easy to use. On a new platform, the 2800, that's our, our latest 12-gig uh, entry platform, that actually has an on-box browser uh, for managing the array. So, again, uh, simplicity, simplicity, and simplicity. I didn't know you guys had brought that on-box. Yes, that uh, came out last year on the 2800 platform. The 2700 platform uh, will go end of life this year. That uses the older legacy uh, desktop app. And the 5600 and EF60 also use the the legacy desktop app. As we go forward with new platforms um, in our 12 gig chassis, all of those will have the onboard browser. Excellent. That'll make things easier for customers not having to install a thick client on their desktops instead just being able to open up a simple web browser. And just one last step. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. All right. So that was Todd. Uh, he was giving us the low down or the, the high down, whatever you want to call it, of uh, E-Series. And uh, so let's move on to some use cases. Uh, so Jamal works in the field, and he de- he deploys these things all the time. So Jamal, if you could give us some uh, more use cases and some more detail about these use cases to expound upon what Todd was talking about with uh, some of the things that he mentioned, like video and, and, and uh, big data and Splunk and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so I, I kind of like this analogy of Dragster. And, you know, guys, this is one of the reasons what a lot of, why a lot of OEMs use this uh, underneath. <clears throat> I kind of use the Dragster to Lexus analogy. Uh, you use the Dragster engine underneath, and then whatever airbags or handles or lights you want to put on top. So that's kind of treated as APIs or <clears throat> 
management UIs. Yeah, so, okay. uh, yeah, we we kind of if you if you really look at the main guys running data protection um, offerings, that's actually using a dynamic disk pool technology underneath. And there's m- multiple more primitives in the architecture of the system. For example, we use uh, T10PI. We can actually detect data corruption in the drive or in the cable. Um, something that will log within the system. We don't expose that through uh, management interfaces for simplicity's sake. But push comes to shove when we're troubleshooting things, that's something that actually helps us to find needle in a haystack. Um, if we look at the uh, video surveillance, for example, uh, the big boys uh, you know, in the uh, airport surveillance, highway surveillance here or overseas, uh, they use our technology because of the high ingest rate. So it's one thing when you have a service provider that comes in and puts 10 cameras, 100 cameras on on the system, we can actually put hundreds or thousands of the camera, well, depending on the bit rate of the camera streams, into one system. So it becomes extremely dense and extremely scalable um, when it comes to performance. And then obviously in um, high performance space, if you really talk to the big boys, right, in different laboratories um, uh, like the old SGI cool stuff or Cray or Quantum, you know, running all these fancy file systems that uh, people sometimes think, hey, you're talking nonsense where you're telling me that you can push two terabytes a second out of the cluster. And say, we do, we do. Our footprints, they, uh, some of them, they exceed four or 500 nodes. Um, so, you know, if somebody kind of fluffs their feathers and say, oh, yeah, I can build 20-node cluster or something like that, I say, hey, you know what, that's just peanuts. Uh, let's talk real numbers here. And the platform actually is very flexible, so you can either do it with uh, 2,000 series or 5,000 series, uh, different medium interconnects, uh, speak all languages. So it becomes kind of this, you know, um, crazy hodgepodge of things that kind of runs at uh, insane speeds. And obviously, when you take that analogy and that expertise, um, so some people think like, well, yeah, E-Series kind of, you know, small, maybe somewhat new product that NetApp acquired. Uh, there is big legacy behind that product line. It's actually been um, uh, before 2000s um, in, in its designs. And, and we take that analogy and we reflect that today into these cool things that we hear, like big data, you know, analytics, Splunk. Um, they all try to mimic what HPC is doing instead of kind of collapsing in under one metadata or kind of one file system. They scatter things around and they could, they say, hey, we know we can scale linearly and this and that. What they don't realize were actually that same cool engine that goes inside those um, those designs. So I think earlier we mentioned, hey, what makes us different from JBOD? was like, well, besides the performance and uh, um, and um, uh, data protection services that we have within the system, we can actually behave somewhat like JBOD, or if you want to call it share nothing SAN architecture. So the uh, nodes will be connected to the array in um, kind of point-to-point connectivity. So the, the the regular compute will look at the disk and say, hey, yeah, this is kind of my JBOD thing, but underneath they're actually big guns. So the, what, what that kind of translates into value prop for the customer is say, well, um, one thing is I can run your footprint probably at two-thirds of your capacity or maybe um, half of your capacity, which you've been doing with any other open source uh, file system architectures or these kind of big data approaches. And two is I can probably speed up your performance, and we have cases where actually accelerate the workloads by 130% in, in some designs. And that, that kind of becomes insanity to talk again. And, and then we're going to tell you that, hey, if uh, you know things hit the fan at some point, um, it's going to be transparent to your compute and your management interfaces on the front. Everything is taken care of automatically underneath. 
So it becomes pretty kind of simple approach to sell something big or maybe once the customer matures and moves the application from this kind of cool project that we've been running and now they have SLA and they have a little bit more commitment from a managerial perspective and more hands on deck to look over their shoulders, uh, this becomes a win uh, platform. And of course, there's always that, you know, TCO discussion and performance and, you know, who leads the industry and so forth. That's something maybe we should uh, tack on as another topic in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Glenn, did you have something? Yeah, I just had one quick question I wanted to kind of dive in as we were talking about, uh, you know, different implementations and, and actual use. Um, I get the impression through my own conversations with customers that really when, when we're talking about an E-Series installation, it's the real conversation is give me a reason not to use DDP. Is is that an accurate way to look at this situation? Because I basically walk into everything going, well, DDP is, is our magical get out of get out of jail free card it's going to remove all the complexity as long as we don't have any of these handful of issues that that we know about that's going to be what we're what we're looking at it do i have that or or am i using old information um no so ddp you lead with ddp obviously it's um kind of think of it as uh, um dummy proof you know or storage for dummies. Um, well, probably that's not politically correct, but it's kind of a simple way of looking at storage. Right, yeah, whatever, it, man. It doesn't have to yeah, be it's, uh, politically correct. It's, yeah. Let's call it worry-free, right? We there used you to go. have a campaign we used to call DDP worry-free, right? You, you, you set the box, put it in the closet, fire it up, and walk away and come back in six months or one year. By the way, this happened here in Silicon Valley. There is a big company here that I can mention name here, just to do business right. The guys had uh, 2,700 running um, in their cluster, and they had firmware that was like seven versions back. And they called us about asking about performance. And they said, well, we can pull performance matrix, so give us this file. And kind of rolling it back, we realized that there were like seven generations back on the firmware. So we couldn't do much. Um, the whole thing is they really forgot about that system. They never logged into that system. Their file system was running. It was servicing the data. They were doing whatever they were doing. It was kind of editing, um, the video editing platform type of thing. And the, it, it just worked. Now... That's good concept when you're running kind of in a generic space. Now, if I'm going to put that dragster on the um, on the road, and you know some kind of cool shiny uh, object startup comes in and says, "Oh yeah, we can do these insane speeds," and whatever that insane means, we usually do with the regular cut machine configuration and DDP plays well, but we can actually strip it down and fire up something more performing than DDP. And again, it, depending on the workloads, because certain workloads will be randomized, certain will not, or some you'll think they are sequential, they're still being randomized. So you kind of look at it with different angle, and whatever fits the build, the, the, the beauty of it, you can actually flex the box from any config to any config. Um, um, if you do rate groups, you can go from rate 0 to rate 10. It's kind of, kind of thing like sliding bar. I want to go from rate 0 to rate 5. Oh, I don't like rate 5. I want to go to rate 6. I'm going to go to rate 6. Oh, I don't like the performance of rate 6. Let me go on rate 0. So you can actually flip-flop things online. <clears throat> there will be a little bit of performance impact, but your data is always available. Um, um, I, w I would say, like, if you're designing even Oracle, let's forget about this big data and stuff. Um, you can do your uh, redo logs or transaction logs on um, rate 0, rate 10, and you can put your database file in rate 5, and your archive data can go in rate 6 or dynamic disk pool. So you can really mix and match within the system to accommodate any workload demand. Yeah, I know. I know. Maybe this is just where I'm a curmudgeon and, and, and why I'm, I'm so excited by, by the, the newer technologies. But 
I feel like that's where where uh, a lot of the app admins in particular kind of th- their eyes start to glass over and they're like, ah, oh, no, we don't No, that's too hard. We don't need any of that stuff. And, and it's it's more of a no, no, we know what we're talking about. We're, we'll help you with this. This is a way for us to help control your cost and get better performance, you know, understanding what the how the box works and what it can and can't do. There, there are different reasons to to deploy these different scenarios, but the generic get out of free j- jail free, like you just need a big pool of storage and a box that's, that's right. going to be reliable. It's going to be fast. You're not going to have to think about it. Like, I, right. I don't I, I don't feel like uh, I think that E-Series is left out of that conversation a little bit too often for me because it, 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 it does is. have it this is. mode to just be basically headless and and just be reliable, cheap, fast storage. Exactly. And, and, and people, you know, sometimes people brag about their uh, volume groups or rate structure and stuff. Hey, it's like, hey, how about if I give you a volume group of, um, you know, or dynamic display of 480 drive or 384 drives as one capacity? So people say, oh, yeah, we have limits on, you know, sizes of LUNs. Like, my size of the LUN is the limit of your file system uh, yeah. LUN capability. So <laughs> if, I, if I tell I can give you 64 petabytes LUN, that would be, you know, that's something that I could do maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially our LUN sizes are not limited by anything because we're not dealing yeah. with a file system. We're dealing with something that's agnostic. Correct. Well, it's 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 also just to keep drilling this home, which we're going to do for the next 20 minutes of this podcast. But like this is a completely different platform. This is a very, very different way of looking at the world of storage. And it solves a different set of problems. Right. It's it. There's very little overlap. You know, yes, they both speak the same SCSI protocols. But other than that core base, there's almost nothing similar between E-Series, SolidFire and ONTAP. Correct. They're all individual. All of them, they have their own shiny things that they excel at. And it sounds like the shiny things for E-Series include video streaming and big data and just really fast, cheap storage. Right. That's right. I, and I wouldn't say cheap, right? Because uh, cheap kind well, of maybe... Cost-effective. Inexpensive. Cost-effective. Value. <clears throat> white box, very competitive, you know, product that literally, I mean, I mean, we do to kind of put, put our pen to the paper. We actually do, analy- do, do calculate analysis on uh, TCO and MTBF numbers, and, and, and we come up ahead of the game, uh, you know, competing with the supermicros of the world. So um, just to wrap up, do you have any kind of high-level best practices you like to follow in the field when you're deploying these things? A very easy one. Don't unplug the freaking cord from the from the outlet. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. I sometimes it, it I is. sometimes I make just that mistake. Powered. <laughs> just keep it powered. It's it kind of to maybe give it a little bit of technical angle. So uh, the machine obviously integrates simplicity with simplicity into multipathing. So all those traditional best practices apply. Um, drivers that usually the way the at least the philosophy that we use within the design of the product is uh, make it native. So if you're playing into Unix, uh, Linux, uh, you know uh, any IBM-ish uh, older school or HP UX platforms, uh, the machine just plugs in. Um, you in in Windows maybe or in Unix you'll have to configure conf, uh, multipath.com file or a DSM configuration in Windows uh, to kind of select your paths and all that. Um, everything is native. Um, once that's configured, it just it just runs. Um, and then you have a little bit. You can bring a little bit of sexiness to this in administration if you're trying to use maybe APIs for uh, reporting or some kind of automation stuff. And by the way, we talk a lot about other products being capable to be automated. Um, E-series does uh, does that just as well. So there's, uh, there's yeah. 
I always have to laugh at that stuff. I don't think there's a single thing in our in our price list that doesn't have an API at this point in time. But but I get it. There are some products that that is that's basically the hook. Like they're meant to be programmable. They're meant to be used in larger systems. Others just have APIs that make it easier to manage at scale. So it's 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 a difference between exactly. technical capability versus you know marketing. What are you going to promote? But but okay. you are correct. I don't think there's anything we sell that doesn't have an API. My uh. My M&Ms don't have APIs. We don't sell those, Justin. I buy them in the vending machine at NetApp. But I don't perhaps think those they, are from NetApp. Maybe the machine has an API you can actually you know, execute. Oh, you're right. I should check into that. Maybe I can get free M&Ms. You know, we, we, don't, we don't melt in people's hands, though, right? Ah, there you go. Keep, keep, <laughs> keep it plugged in. Don't melt in hands. All right. Best practices by Jamal. That's that's like a two-page document. Yeah, don't unplug the cord. <laughs> <laughs> Page one, don't unplug the cord. Page two, end. All right. Thanks a lot, Jamal. Um, Mitch, uh, we've been talking a little bit about use cases and applications, and you're on the application solution side. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Splunk side of things and some of the things you see out there when it deals with E-Series. Okay. I first want to just mention, uh, you know, as I kind of talk about that here recently, I've been uh, uh, working on doing some testing with uh, Cisco servers and uh, E-Series. And one of the things we, we've tested that Jamal and, and uh, Todd didn't really touch on is the different host protocols. So we were able to do our Splunk testing with uh, Fiber Channel Direct Attached, uh, Fiber Channel Over Network, iSCSI on the network, and SAS Direct Attached. And, and all of these ways you're able to connect your Splunk environment. So you've, the idea is decoupling your storage from your compute. So when you have people that are saying, oh, I use commodity servers, I put my storage in there, and I have my nodes, and we do this clustering, and this is how we do it, you know, and they're like, oh, this is great, you know, but they, they don't stop to consider, well, by decoupling, if I need more compute, but I don't need more storage, I can just add it. Or on the other hand, if I need more storage, so I don't have to have more compute, I can add storage. And, and this way, the cost can really be different. So we looked at one customer where they were using about 100 uh, servers on, uh, in their environment, and by decoupling storage from compute, we're able to take that down to 20 servers. Well, then it all fit in one rack. So then the power requirements went down, the cooling went down, you know, their cost overall went down to man- maintain that environment. And this is a lot what we don't think about with things like Splunk, and it's not just Splunk, it's NoSQL environment generally. So with Cassandra or MongoDB, oh, yeah. uh, the same kind of thing. You can do that decoupling with your, between your storage and compute, and you get a lot more power out of your SAN, and you also get the things E-Series has that that commodity doesn't, that all that RAS that Jamal and uh, Todd had talked about, you know, all the dynamic uh, possibilities with modifying your storage, by changing your RAID levels. Uh, you also have the reliability. You have the uh, HA built into it. Uh, a lot of the things we do with E-Series, there's no way you could do with commodity servers, and they wouldn't have the 6.9's reliability E-Series does. They can't have, they don't offer that. So for, for those environments like Splunk, E-Series is a great pick. And I haven't even got to performance yet, you know, as, as well. And, and we're working on some new things right now, and I'm, uh, I'm the track lead for Insight. And I just want to invite anybody out there that's not coming to Insight, 
come and see the E-Series things we're, we're going to be talking about. We're talking about our all-new stuff, and our performance is just getting better. And our latency is going down as well. So we're going to be having higher performance and lower latency. Those things are coming, and we're going to be talking about them in Insight. Yeah, Mitch, you, you, you actually gave me my favorite saying in this, which is the race to zero has begun. Uh, you know, back when, when, when E-Series first was able to hit sub-millisecond latency and made everyone kind of start re-questioning those scales. Uh, and here lately, it just continues to get lower and lower and lower. Yeah, we're, we're now talking, instead of talking milliseconds, we're talking much more microseconds and how to move that, move that down even lower. And so a lot of times with, between commodity servers uh, in that, big data, NoSQL environment, you know, the issue is the latency. Well, we're, we're doing some things. We're going to be talking about at Insight about how we're reducing that latency even further and getting it closer to what you would see if your storage was in your server. So we're getting down there closer in that range and just making E-Series even more valuable in that environment. Yeah, and and I also uh, just just to reaffirm, uh, in my own conversations, it's it's the same stuff. Yes, you can go and find some servers, and you can build out your Cassandra farm or your NoSQL. There's a lot of ways to solve problems, right? But but I I feel like often those conversations are pure capex conversations that are not taking total cost. They're not looking at the operational cost. They're not looking at what happens in year number four or how they're going to update the firmware in these drives and all the complexity that comes along with the persistence pool, which is honestly the only part of an architecture you can't get wrong. So right. it, it's yeah. that E-Series ability to keep those costs competitive with, with those, those, you know, much less capable solutions uh, has just been a game changer, especially in that big data space where we're dealing with just massive lakes of of data. The, just the, the the capacities get to a point where you can't have conversations outside of technologies like this. That's right, absolutely. And I I like to think about it in terms of for, from an administrative standpoint that uh, if I had a commodity server and I have to put RAID and manage RAID, and then I have to have hot spare drives that I have to manage, and uh, then I have to manage when I do have disk failures uh, on it. Well, why not just buy an, a storage array? It, that, that all of that stuff is designed to do for you what you need, that high availability, you know, the, the dual path out to your drives, all of that's built into E-Series. So why make your life so hard? by having a whole bunch of servers that each has its own storage array, essentially, that's what it is. And if you're going to manage it as a storage array, it's a lot of work. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, because I, I didn't, Todd and, and um, Jamal didn't, didn't happen to, to hit this on dynamic disk pools, and why I recommend dynamic disk pools all the time. And I, I don't think of it as storage for dummy. I think of it as storage for smart people, dynamic disk pools, because we just, I just finished doing some testing that I was, we were running uh, full out on an E-series, and we pulled one of our SSD drives out of it. It took it four minutes to recover, four minutes to rebuild and say, I'm back. Performance was all the way back where it was. And you cannot do that in a RAID group. You, you cannot have that kind of great performance on failure that allows administrators to sleep at night. That's 
that's amazing. And that's where dynamic disk pools really shine, especially in big data environments where you've got huge drives, multiple terabyte drives. When those things fail, the, the, with a standard RAID array or RAID group, the time to recover is going to be days. It's days out there to recover from that. Where with yeah. dynamic disk pools, it becomes hours that you recover from that. And, and that's what makes it really important and really useful. So if that performance on failure is what's important to you, that it gets back up to the same performance level, DDP is the smart choice. Mitch, do you have anything else you want to add to that? If you guys, if, if they're out there at Insight, we're, we're going to be Insight Central. We're boots 22 to 25. Please come by, and we would love to tell you about E-Series. Okay, thanks a lot, Mitch. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, how NetApp itself is using E-Series. And to do that, Eduardo Rivera is here uh, with Customer One. I got it right again. Um, so, Eduardo, tell us all about how you guys are using E-Series in your environments. <clears throat> well, so, so I'm listening to the conversation, uh, and a couple of things that have been mentioned uh, really kind of speak to me. One of the things that I don't know if people realize this, and, and we we used to talk about this a lot when E-Series was first uh, becoming a product, but Easter has been around for a very, very long time as a product, right? Like, if uh, not only as a NetApp branded product, but as an OEM product. And if you spend any time in any storage uh, environment, you probably are running E Series in some way, shape, or form. And that was the case with me. Uh, we we run E Series as OEM in other jobs that I had in the past. And everything that we say about it today, uh, it was true back then as well. Specifically, that uh, comment about sitting on the corner, sitting in the closet. And we kind of forget about it. And then we look at it like five years later, oh, well, that thing's still running. Uh, and, th- and that's been the experience um, uh, for me outside of NetApp as well as inside of NetApp. But uh, here we've been a little bit more, I'll say, um, aggressive on how we use it and make sure that we, uh, we're putting it uh, front and center on the right solutions. Now, specifically for us, I think that the way that we select E-Series as a platform, and of course, we're selecting all other NetApp products, so that's what we do. But... Um, it's when we really need that, um, I'll say, no games, unadulterated performance uh, from a throughput perspective, which uh, we've been talking about throughout this podcast. But but also this uh, idea of resiliency and um, um, reliability. So so those are really kind of the two dimensions that it brings uh, for us. Is really you know as fast as it can go from a throughput perspective, low latency, as well as uh, kind of like worry free. You know we'll we'll change the drive every every year or so whenever something like that fails but it's really um, pretty rock solid with that what we see it in and out in customer one specifically we are running a large hadoop implementation based on e-series and uh i forget the tr number it was a tr that t- uh, talks about e-series and hadoop implementation out there uh we kind of follow that model uh we have you know it's quite large it's um today that is part of an auto auto support infrastructure that analyzes and does uh, data analytics on the data that we get from everybody's auto support. We also have it out there for uh, our Splunk implementations, which have, we have more than one. Uh, they're all running E-Series behind the scenes. Uh, we are also using it in our video production. So whenever we have an old hands and you have all those uh, live stream going on, that data is going into you know the media uh, management application that at the end of the day is a, uh, writing it real time to an E-Series box. Also on our video surveillance in many areas. Uh, I recently was involved in a project for Bangalore, I want to say. Yeah, the office that we uh, opened there made last year or so. All the video surveillance was based on E-Series. Uh, I believe we're doing the same in Sunnyvale. And, you know, all the things, uh, I guess, 
in in beyond just those solutions, it's actually making its way into our environment through appliances like the storage grid appliance. Storage grid appliance at the end of the day is an e-series box. So we have a we, we it kind of rears its head in all this. Uh, uh, I'll say, as we as we discussed earlier, sort of like traditionally, what you may want to do with a with a white box solution where you have some layer above it that is doing data management or data distribution, like like Splunk does or video surveillance. But we need that fast throughput and very low latency as well as a resiliency. Uh, and I think we'll continue to do it. I mean, obviously, we have the E-Series based on mechanical drives. We have uh, EF uh, de- deployed with uh, some of our Splunk implementations. And I think we're just going to continue consuming it as a, you know, as a new technology comes out. But it's well, it's well represented within NetApp, within NetApp ID, I'll say. Yeah, I was just going to completely agree with what Edward, Eduardo was saying, particularly the point around performance and reliability. You know, that that, that is really kind of the special niche here. You know, you can... We can go get a PCI attached, you know, uh, an NVMe device these days that that can drive, you know, single lot performance from an individual server faster, you know, if if ultimate speed is is the the singular metric that you're using to measure uh, value. But the the special thing about the the E-series platform is it's achieving all of these amazing results from a performance perspective without compromising on any of those data services or availability. You know, every single bit of data that we hand this box, you're going to get back. We're going to be able to take care of it. If we can suffer a series of, of you know, component failures and bad days and the software is just going to handle it and make sure that the data is there when you need to read it. And and that's kind of a different proposition. You know, it does compete financially with with solutions that are far less capable from an availability perspective so it's it's one of those things where we're bringing something that's actually way more capable to to a market that almost doesn't even consider that in, in a lot of instances. But like we talk about whenever we do a podcast on backup or on backup and DR, this is one of those things where most people just don't think about it because they haven't suffered data loss. It's o- it's only when you lose things that you start paying attention to stuff like that. Yeah, and with no. big data, I kind of feel like people should be paying more attention. Of it. it takes a lot of time to load those data sets. You know, yeah, they're spinning disks, they're cheap, but time is money, and it takes a long time for these jobs to run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the reality is that not I'll say not always, but almost always when we're building when I was on the field uh, selling uh, high performance solutions, high performance computer solutions, it was always easier behind the scenes, right? Is that uh? Yeah. Uh, lay down that cluster file system across uh, hundreds of the devices, and you know, let your application uh, rip all and do all the data analytics it needs to do, right? And then write it out as fast as it can. I also think it's hilarious that it's we've got this this singular operating system. It, it, it's really a credit to the development team and and the the legacy of all the the great men and women who have worked on the platform over the years. But here we have this single OS that we use in two very specific niches. One where the customer needs to go absolutely as fast as possible. The other where they need to get as cheap as possible, just as much storage as we can cram into a bucket and get the the dollar per gig and and total capacity as low as we can get it from a pure archival standpoint. To have one OS that 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 fits so nicely in those two extremes is is it's not something you'd expect to find, but but here we are. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll repeat, it's also the Sort of the low touch after it's been deployed, you can kind of forget about it from an administration perspective. Of course, you're going to monitor it. Of course, you're going to replace the drive if it fails. But there, there's not much to touch in there, right? Once, once it's set up, it's kind of set up and forget it. And it, it's rock solid. 
that just goes back to the simplicity, right? I mean, we're not doing as much in terms of feature set here, so there's not as much to manage. So once it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, it'll just keep doing it. And that, and then the resiliency kicks in, and we're not really worrying about failures and that sort of thing. And we just go manage the storage platforms that aren't as good. Right, right. You, you, <laughs> well, it, <laughs> and uh, certainly, and, and you push the comp- that complexity up the stack, right? Like we, we talk about that in the context of, you know, next generation data centers and, and uh, the cloud and com- pushing the complexity into the application stack. Well, this kind of plays well into that too, right? When you want a simple, totally. reliable, fast uh, storage platform and you want a complex and uh, you know, feature-rich application stack, this is really where this shines. You got anything else for us, Eduardo? Um, well, I was sitting here and noticed that you guys have all new microphones and uh, new stuff. It looks like you guys are moving up. No, I wouldn't say we're moving up. It's a lateral move. <laughs> yeah. I see empty boxes in the corner. I was able like a- I was able to use my smooth talking to to finagle some funding for some new things. So yeah, we got a we got a little bit of uh, up and upgrade here in the in the studio. Good, good. You don't you have broom uh, broomsticks uh, hanging? Yeah, uh, no more broomsticks. Uh, <laughs> no more cobwebs all over the mics. Uh, good, they good. don't smell of crusty old spittle. Um, <laughs> Okay, Jamal, Mitch, Todd, Eduardo, thanks for joining us to talk about E-Series today. If people wanted to get more information or ask questions about E-Series, how would they go about that? For uh, general, general stuff, you have a distribution list, which is the E-Series info. It's in the directory, in the email directory. Okay, that's external. So if they, it, let's say a customer wants to get in touch with uh, everybody. So would you get, you just get in touch with your SE and have them ask the question? Usually, usually that's the path. That's correct. It, it goes through the account team. We don't have direct exposure. Um, maybe I'm a little bit more privileged because I do work with local teams. So sometimes customers reach out to me directly. But um, um, usually it's the SE on the account or TAM. Okay. And uh, also, if you wanted to ask questions, you could always reach out to podcast at netup.com to get in touch with us, and we will forward the questions on to the appropriate parties. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontapodcast.com. That's down right now. It'll be up in a little while. Uh, if you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tech podcast team, I'd like to thank Eduardo Rivera and Mitch Blackburn and uh, Jamal Booty and Todd Edwards for joining us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so uh, we got to get on somebody to fix that DNS issue, Glenn. It's, it's always DNS. Always Every DNS. time. So if you're not familiar, if you've been trying to access techontetpodcast.com, it may not work. So if you need to, go to soundcloud.com and just search for Tech on Tech Podcast. Or, you know, find the links in the blog and that sort of thing. But yeah. DNS. The bane of everyone's existence. You know, when I had a private blog, it was always DNS that took me out there, too. It's, just, it's the thing you forget about. Yeah, it is.